Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is is your DFS preview for the Northern Trust, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And joining me to break it all down, as he does every single week, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Playoffs? 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 <laughs> I'm sure that won't be the first time we hear that this week. Uh, what an exciting week. I- I'm really looking forward to it. It's a different feel this year, for sure, uh, with the, a little bit of a shortened season, but Man, we got another great field. I feel like we've been spoiled through this summertime. It's been great. There are lots of implications for the playoffs. There are a lot of unique aspects of this course slash this tournament that we need to talk through. We'll go through all of that. But first, remember, give us a watch on YouTube at First Cut Pod and follow us on Twitter and Instagram also at First Cut Pod. Greg, let's talk about the playoffs. So, uh, the top 125 players in the world. No, scratch that. The top 125 players in the FedEx cup standings are here. The top 70 will move on to the BMW championship. And it is not a cut. It's not like whoever makes the cut moves on, which is already a question I've gotten on Twitter a handful of times. It is still counting your FedEx cup points and the top 70 in FedEx cup points will move on to the BMW championship. It has a almost a similar feel to, to the Wyndham when, when the Wyndham in a typical year, when we're worried about guys losing their cards, are they going to get into the playoffs? Are they going to, uh, are they going to be out of the playoffs? There, there's an up and down movement and you'll see a lot of projected points throughout the week. Uh, and, and the point values are increased dramatically. I, I had thought they were quadrupled, but it looks like they're actually tripled this week. So, uh, and for next week as well. I'm not sure if you saw that too, Rick, but it's 1,500 points to the winner. Uh, so you will see a lot of you'll you'll see a lot of movement. And the players who end up with who end up missing the cut, they're just going to get zero points. And if they get passed by enough players to bump them out, then so be it. If not, they'll advance to the BMW championship, which is, uh, which is a non-cut event. So very interesting to see. And um, you're going to see a lot of projected standings, as I said, and a lot of ups and downs throughout this week. This is the last event of the season that has a cut. Uh, it is top 65 and ties next week at the BMW championship. There will be no cut. Of course, the tour championship at Eastlake with the final 30, also no cut. Now, If that wasn't confusing enough, let me add another wrinkle to this. The FedEx Cup playoffs used to be a four-leg playoff series, which has now been trimmed down to three events, Greg. And the one that was removed was the Dell Technologies Championship, which also went by the name of the Barclays. Remember that that one. Uh, That is the event that TPC Boston was the was the host course for so we've seen tpc boston in the playoffs but it has not been the host course for the northern trust in the past so that is very confusing but if you are looking for event history you have the northern trust if you are looking for course history you should look at the dell technologies championship because that is where we've seen tpc boston it's also been called the deutsche bank before uh, so, so any of those is, is definitely going to work for you. And the event history, uh, quite frankly, means it, it means nothing, Correct. especially this week. Uh, it's all about the course history. How do you play at TPC Boston specifically? I know for me, that's a, a big factor, something I'm definitely looking into. Um, very interesting. A lot of these top guys have a lot of history here and many of them have, have great results. I know we'll get into that a little bit further, but uh, a lot of players have had success here. 
um, and and many of them qu quite good. It's usually it's usually kind of stacked winners here at, at this tournament at this golf course. So I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but moving forward, I'm going to be referring to all history to TPC Boston. I'm not going to refer to uh, Northern. I'm totally. Yeah, no Northern. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a completely different golf course. And keep in mind. Last year, there was not an event played at TPC Boston. So the last year we saw history was Bryson winning in 2018. Justin Thomas won at TPC Boston in 2017. Rory McIlroy in 16. Ricky Fowler in 15. That Those are the elite level names that we are seeing. Right. Patrick Reed is not the defending champion. Correct. He is the Northern Trust, but not here. <laughs> and just uh, one other thing, if you're wondering, hey, where's Ridgewood? Where's Bethpage Black? Where are all these Liberty National? Where are these New York courses? Well, uh, New York and Boston are rotating the Northern Trust every year now. So next year, the PGA Tour, uh, the, uh, the Northern Trust will be back at uh, back in New York. And I'm not sure which venue off the top of my head, but they're rotating between Boston and New York every other year. Okay. Phew. Did we, did we cover? I think that's everything, right? We can actually, yeah, jump into I, think the we, I think we covered the bases. Okay. Uh, after all that gets out of the way, let's jump into the top end of this player pool. There are six golfers on DraftKings over $10,000 led by Justin Thomas at 11,300 Bryson DeChambeau at 11,100 Rory McIlroy, 10,008 Dustin Johnson, 10, four Colin Morikawa, 10, two, and John Rahm, the number one player in the world, and even $10,000. Greg, who out of this group interests you the most? Well, they all interest me. Uh, the, I mean, this is the cream <laughs> of the crop, right? They, they all interest me, but for, for very different reasons. You look at a guy like Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, uh, and I guess you could throw Dustin Johnson into this mix too. Their recent form has been off the charts. It's been great. Uh, DJ has been a little inconsistent. So there are definitely question marks there. Is his game from the PGA going to translate into, uh, into the playoffs? Is that really where DJ stands right now? He does have a nice course history here. So he has my interest. Uh, Morikawa won the last time he played. Uh, yeah. We know that that always counts against you. So, <laughs> right. Morikawa, so scratch him off. But the guys that really have my interest are right there at the top. Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I'm looking for JT to win another FedEx Cup. And I think he's ready to do that. Uh, and, and this seems to be the year for it. But the guy standing in his way seems to be Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's start with Bryson because I, we were talking before Mike's went hot here. Um, there's like Bryson might be able to just like t take this course apart. Right. I mean, there's a couple of, of shorter holes that he might just be able to overpower. Am I understanding that correctly? Oh, absolutely. If you look at some of the par five, it's par 71 this yeah. week uh, and it's not overly long about 7,200 yards, give or take depending on the setup. You're looking at number two, which is a really short, under 550-yard par five. Uh, and you're looking at number four, which is a drivable par four. But here's the thing, and this is, I'd love to get your take on this, Rick. It, it's less than 300 yards. So a lot of players, definitely Bryson, are going to be hitting less than driver onto the green. And I wonder if that kind of, does that, does that level the playing field? Is that a huge advantage for Bryson? I, I feel like Bryson may get caught in between clubs, and yeah. we may see a situation like we did on 16, um, on 16 at TPC Harding Park, where for Colin Morikawa, it's a perfect driver. And for Camp Champ, uh, who's playing in the same group as him, he's got to kind of either hit a spinny driver or, or hammer a three-wood or something along those lines. So where do you think the advantage falls with some of these shorter par fives and reachable par fours? I actually think it levels the playing field. When, well, like, like the par fives that everybody can get to in two shots, yes, maybe Bryson hits eight iron in instead of six iron, but like everybody can still get there. These guys still hit their six irons great. These drivable par fours that everyone can at least get to the front edge or whatever, even if they have to pull driver, it, it, I think it limits the, the advantage that Bryson has. I think Bryson, and I don't have the numbers to back this up. Would he wants like 630 yard par fives like that? Like that's right. what he wants. And he like, maybe he's the only one who can reach. Maybe he's the and only guy that can get there in two. Right. Three, a three fifty par four that everybody's kind of deciding what to do up the tee. And he's just knocking it on the green. That's when you get it. You see a huge advantage. So I, I tend to agree with you there, Rick. Yeah, I think that's the big advantage. Um, you know, love. Uh, there's a reason that in a stacked field of the top 
125 players on tour this season. And then the top of those guys, the 10 K guys, like there's a reason to love all of them, right? Like there's, there's, there's no surprise here. Uh, JT, I think is super interesting. And I would make the case that he is, his results are almost entirely tied to his putter, which is a good thing. I think that's a good thing because the rest of his game is so sublime. And we, we saw him win the WGC losing strokes putting. He finished 37th at the PGA Championship, which is well below what we would expect from Justin Thomas, losing three and a half strokes on the greens. If you would have, if you give any, if you take three and a half strokes from anybody else, they just miss the cut. Like JT still finds a way to finish 37. So I think that is a actual good thing that he goes as far as his putter allows him to. Yeah. And, and JT was, I mean, a couple of breaks and, and a couple made putts on Saturday away from putting himself right in the mix. Yeah. Um, so things can kind of go either way with him really, really quickly because he's so good. Um, but it raises his floor. Uh, he has missed a couple cuts this season, but I don't foresee that happening here. I, I think JT in playoff form, is going to have a lot of advantages. And one of them is just his iron play. Leads the tour in strokes gained approach. He's been fantastic with the irons all year long. And the the worry for him, I, I agree with you, Rick, where his success rides on the putter. But I think the weakness in his game is his driving. And he he can kind of get the spray gun out every once in a while. And he's admitted that too. Uh, and, and so you wonder, well, is that going to hurt him at a place like this? And I don't believe it is. I think it's fairly generous off the tee. Um, I don't think you have to hit driver if you don't want to, but you certainly can. And for a guy like Justin Thomas, uh, this is going to be a, a second shot kind of a golf course. And I, man, I, I like JT on any golf course, especially when it's a second shot course. The biggest question mark of this tier has to be Rory. I mean, he's 10,800. We know what his ceiling is, but we have not seen ceiling Rory, not in the restart. We haven't seen it. I mean, he's got, what, an 11th place finish? That's his best finish. He's got um, one top 30. Yeah. This is I, a guy who couldn't finish outside the top five if he tried uh, yeah. leading into the layoff. So there's no question the layoff hurt Rory McIlroy more than anybody else. Um, so, and Yeah, so what, do we, so what do we do here? Well, I mean, I don't know what to do. This is kind of like back to what we talked about last week with France Snedeker, where he has great course history. Rory's won here twice. Uh, and and when he wins here, it typically leads to a FedEx Cup trophy in his hand. Yeah. Um, and, and he's eighth in the FedEx Cup right now. So it's certainly in the realm of possibility. But I have questions about the way that he's putting. I have questions about his confidence. And I mean, I, I, so I sit on the fence because one side, yeah, this could be the tournament where Rory gets his confidence back. And then we're back to Rory because he's comfortable here. But on the other hand, if you're going to have to go 50, somewhere between 15 and I'll say, you know, 22 under par to win, can, does Rory have the, the putting stroke to be able to do that right now? And I'm just not sh so sure. So in this group, I think Rory is my, is my fade. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to say, but I got to commit to it. I, I'm going to stay away from Rory this week. I'm, I'm probably in a similar boat. Uh, Producer Jacob drops a great little tidbit here. Five playoff wins for Rory McIlroy the most of anyone ever. Uh, that's pretty good. It, so in the same way that I think Justin Thomas's success is tied to his putter in a good way, Rory McIlroy, since the restart, his success has been tied to his irons in a bad way, meaning that he has not been nearly the iron player that he was before the break. I mean, he's been pedestrian. He's been tour average. You can't be tour average if you are Rory McIlroy. And the problem is, as we know, putting is much more volatile. Round by round, week by week, it goes all over the place. Approach game is not. Like, like it usually takes a little bit longer for that to, to come around. So I am less optimistic on Rory than I've probably been in quite some time. Yeah, and I, I think it's fair to say. And look. It's Rory McIlroy. He's going to prove us wrong. There's going to be a time when, uh, when, when he plays great. And when he starts to find form and confidence, he's going to put himself in a place where he can win. Uh, and everybody's going to be kicking themselves. But at, at this point, he hasn't shown us really enough. And, it, you know, I like to look at winners. who like, like I look at Jim Herman, right? And I say, okay, well, what did Jim Herman do? Is there something that I missed in my analysis leading into the tournament where I missed Jim Herman? And the conclusion I arrived at this week, and I've arrived at this conclusion with winners before, it's no. I, 
nobody missed anything with not picking Jim Herman. Jim <laughs> no. Herman would have been a bad pick last week based yeah. on all the evidence you had at hand. And with Rory, the one positive you have is the course history, but the recent form is saying no. So if you do pick Rory, uh, it, it, he's one of the best players in the world. So there's there's definitely something to hang your hat on, but it's definitely a risk. And sitting in this group of players here with Thomas and, and DeChambeau and Morikawa and Johnson, who are all playing great, I don't think it's a risk you can really uh, you can really take and consider it to be a good pick. So uh, I'm going to stay away from Rory this week. Uh, and, and, hey, I mean, he'll, he's very likely to prove me wrong, if not this week, at some point in the future. But uh, I'm, I'm fading Rory. All right, so that leaves us then with Dustin Johnson and John Rahm in this $10,000 range. I, I don't know how much has to be said about Dustin Johnson. I, I mean, he's, he's played great here. He shook off that really weird three-round stretch where he looks like me, and then he's, he goes out and almost wins the PGA Championship. I mean, I, I don't really have any concerns about him. I actually think he's pretty fairly priced and has just as much upside to win this golf tournament as, as anybody else. So I'm not sure how much more we need to mine into it. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to be the anchor in my lineups. Uh, I'm not going to kind of start with him everywhere, but there definitely will be some lineups where DJ is getting some action from me. I mean, he's just – he's so good. He's playing well. All signs point to a good finish for him, except we still have that 80-80-78 lingering. And you wonder, is he like a, a Brooks Kepka where he just – he stepped up for a major because the – you know, for whatever reason, out of sheer willpower? Or, you know, is there going to be a little letdown from that, uh, from, from a close defeat? I, I would say it's like, likely not. So I'm pretty high on DJ this week, too. Again, it's just where does he fit? Where does he fit in your prices? It's almost like you could work backwards and take somebody in this ten or $11,000 range last and see where you have room, see what you have room for. Mm. Um, but I have no problem playing DJ. Okay. So then that just leaves us with Rom, who is an even 10,000. Uh, I, I just get the feeling knowing you, knowing me, I feel like we're both kind of more out than we are in on John Rom. Yeah. Um, it's a fair way to say it. I, I look at him in, in the, uh, the short iron play has kind of been a concern for me. And on a venue like this, where you have to make a ton of birdies and, I mean, look, there's plenty of opportunities with short fours and, and, a, and a couple of par fives that are gettable. So Rom's definitely going to have an opportunity out there. But I think his game is lacking a little bit in some areas where Justin Thomas's game is not. Now, that being said, he's, he's fairly priced. If you want to kind of go with the discount road, if you have some players in the lower ranges that you really like, I could see you taking Rom, but uh, it, he's not really doing it for me this week. Yeah, a... a, a, a... A ROM fade for me is mostly because I like guys above him and I like guys below him. So I, I, don't, right. I, don't, I don't have much of an incentive to spend the 10000 when for $400 more I can get DJ and for you know a couple hundred bucks less I can go get any of these guys in the 9K range. So I, I, I don't, I'm not sure the incentive uh, from a salary cap game to, to play ROM. 9000s. This starts with Xander at 97. Goes down to Webb, uh, Jason Day is here, Patrick Cantlay, a name you already mentioned, Brooks Kepka, and Patrick Reed, who has won this event twice, not at TPC Boston. So, Greg, where are we starting here in the nines? Uh, well, right below John Rahm, Xander Shoffley. <laughs> Xander has been on a real heater lately, uh, and it just hasn't quite bubbled over into a win yet. And Xander is due. He's a player that is, in my mind, no question due for a win. His game is as well-rounded as anybody. As Kyle has said before, it, he reminds us a lot of kind of a JT, where there's not really very many holes in his game, not very many weaknesses. Um, you know, maybe driving accuracy is. But if you're going to have a weakness on the PGA Tour, that's not a terrible one to have. It's not like he's spraying it into the trees. So Xander is definitely my, my top pick in this range. Um, and, and there's something about him this week that's just jumping off the page at me. And I feel like he's due. And if it's not this week, it's next week. And through this playoff run, I'm going to be very high on Xander. Here's a way to illustrate how solid and great Xander is all around uh, that you mentioned, Greg. So I, I looked at the top. If Where do you rank? If you rank in the top 55 of a strokes game category, that is essentially the top 25%. 
There are only three guys who rank inside the top 55 in all four major strokes gain categories. That's off the tee, approach, around the green, and putting. It is John Rahm, it is Daniel Berger, and it is Xander Shoffley. And usually when you are very good and consistent, like you never play yourself out of a golf tournament, right? And it's 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 shown itself in his results. I think he's got five straight top 20s now. I mean, he just he's just always there because his game is so well-rounded. And, and he's a hot week away from it really going well. Now, his course history isn't great there. He's played there twice, and uh, he hasn't cracked, cracked the top 40. So, you know, that may be a, a, nit, uh, a knock on him. But, again, I, I go back to this. I, I think recent form is much more important than course history, especially at a venue like this where um, it's kind of out right out in front of you. It, it's not an incredibly nuanced, like uh, say Augusta National or something like that. So uh, that that recent form can can definitely be a positive because it shows a sign of comfort. But uh, but in the case of Xander Shoffley, I think he's going to be able to handle the golf course just fine. I've got a guy at ninety three hundred who's got recent form. He's got course history, and I can't believe these words are even coming out of my mouth. How about Jason Day, who I, I I am historically not a big Jason Day guy. Uh, I, 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 I kind of said 2020 was going to be an important year for him because we could have started. I said Jordan Spieth has provided so much cover for this guy because they're both really down in the dumps right now. He has found something, and he's found something with his irons, Greg. Five consecutive events. He has gained strokes on approach, something he has not done since he was like peak number one player in the world, Jason Day. Uh, he's been piling up top 10 finishes. And if you look at his TPC Boston history, he had a run from 2010 to 2017 where he finished outside the top 25 one time. I mean, it's, it's, it's here. He's probably going to be popular. I don't care. Yeah, you can definitely – I mean, one thing you've definitely taught me, Rick, is you can work around a guy who's popular. Uh, especially if you like him that much. I, I do think he's going to be a great play. And the iron play is is so much better. For the past couple of years, really from, I would say, after 2016 uh, until really e even into this year, uh, his iron play was really bad. It was a glaring weakness. And it was the yes. biggest separator between Jason Day and his profile versus the Roms and the Rorys and the DJs and, and the really like the top tier world number one contending type players. It was the, the glaring weakness was in the iron play. And a lot of these other guys that are near the top, maybe they're a little weak in the putting categories. Maybe they're a little, uh, a little, well, not many of them are weak off the tee, but you know, maybe they have, they're weak around the greens or something. Well, if, if you're weak in your iron play, it limits your opportunities to make birdies. And, uh, and that's what happened to Jason day. And now that seems to be back, and he's a player who can definitely sniff a leaderboard. He, he knows how to get the job done and win, um, and, and that's a rare thing. There aren't many guys that have 12 wins on the PGA Tour. Jason Day is one of them. Uh, I think it's 12. Um, so, anyway, I, I love the pick, and he certainly seems to be healthy. I always have that caution with him. Is he going to get hurt this week? Is he, is he going to show up stiff? But he's been proving me wrong week after week, so – Jason Day is, uh, I have no problem playing him this week. We both have a check mark next to Patrick Reed, who we mentioned is not the defending champion, but he does have good TPC Boston history. Why else do we like Patrick Reed? Well, Patrick Reed is kind of sneaky in the sense that for a player who's not a bomber off the tee, he makes a ton of birdies. And he's seventh on tour in birdie average, which I, I think is really important in a week like this. Um, especially when you're dealing with some of those short fives, uh, uh, drivable par fours, you're dealing with scorable holes, and you're dealing with a winning score that's likely to get close to that 20 under mark if it doesn't get past it. So you're, you're going to have to make birdies. Patrick Reed can do it, and he's riding a string of confidence, which is the tied 13th at the PGA, tied ninth last week at Wyndham. Um, birdies are starting to come for Patrick Reed, and the putting stroke just looks great. Um, and he's 10th on tour for the year in strokes game putting. And in a birdie fest like this, it's it's really important uh, to to be rolling it really well. And I trust Patrick Reed with the putter. I trust him this time of year. And I trust him in the Northeast. He A lot of his wins are in the Northeast. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely like Patrick Reed this week, and I had his name circled twice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to add. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I'll just. I'll just do this. 2015 uh, to 20, 2016 and twenty seventeen, he finished fourth, fifth, and sixth at TPC Boston. I mean, it's it's a good fit for him. Obviously, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. <laughs> uh, Brooks Kepka, 
now is the time we get to do a little bulletin board material for Brooks because I, I don't really want to play him. How do you feel, Greg? Well, I have so many questions. I mean, yeah. one, and I, I've been harping on this for a while. Why has he, why has he played so much? And Let's talk about that. Or something, and he said his goal was to make it to East Lake, which I find to be a, a positive. And I think I said this last Tuesday when when we were doing our preview for Wyndham. You know, Brooks and, and Kyle kind of laid it out for me my thoughts. Where um, when Brooks exerts effort, he does well, and and that's kind of been a general thought. And I'm wondering if Brooks right now is is exerting so much effort because he feels like you know, he's got to find something. It's a little desperation and, and maybe Eastlake is a goal, but maybe a goal is the U S open. I'm just worried. You have a guy who's not very healthy, admittedly. So that's what he said, whether it's true or not, he's not healthy. He's playing a ton. He's not swinging great. He has a brand new putting stroke. All signs point to no. And I wonder if it was just sheer willpower in Memphis and, and, uh, at the PGA championship. But, I mean, so it, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence saying, yeah, Brooks at TPC Boston, this is a great play. I, to me, it's no, no, stay away. This is a bad play. I think he screwed up his schedule. I think he screwed it up. I, I think he screwed up his schedule too. If, yeah. he, if he has success this week or next week and he, gets to, um, and he gets to the Tour Championship, you're talking about nine weeks in a row. Yeah. Which, I don't care which, if he missed a couple cuts. That is, and I don't care if you say it's just golf, which Brooks has said before, look, it's just golf, you can play, whatever. That takes a toll. And so well, I, if it's, I, if it's just golf, if it's just golf, there's a reason these guys don't play nine weeks in a row. Yeah. Like if it's just golf, everyone would play nine weeks in a row. They don't. And you want to optimize your performance and the, the schedule Brooks has laid out is not designed to optimize performance because nobody else does it. And there's a reason for that. The great players get to this place where they can choose their own schedule and they don't play more weeks in a row right? They, they play less. Yeah. So the goal of a tour player is to get from where you have to play every time you're eligible, right? Cause you need to accumulate points. And this is what Brooks had to do when he was on the challenge tour. And then you get to a place where you can choose your schedule. Now you pick venues that suit you. Now you play the amount of time you think works for you in a row. You, you can peak for a certain tournaments. There's, there's a whole bunch of things you can do. And this doesn't seem to be accomplishing any of that. He, he messed it up at the memorial. He was going to take the memorial off and he, he missed the cut at work day. And that was the same week that he got into a beef with Bryson, I think. And I, I swear he played the memorial just so he could like try to go out and win it and, and kind of like shove it in Bryson's face. And, and then he didn't take off the three M which was the week after. And now he's looking at the schedule and going, Oh man. Uh, well, I haven't accumulated enough points to take off like, uh, this week at the Northern Trust. Now I've got, like, he, he almost like made a mistake, thought he would earn enough points, didn't end up earning enough points, and now has to play every week. He, he screwed this up. You, you should not be, I don't care if this works out, you should not be playing nine weeks in a row. No, it, it's not good for anybody, especially when it's not going well. Like, I, I could see if you're a player like, um, I don't, I mean, I mean, let's say you're Brendan Todd. You're playing the best golf you've played in a really long time. You're extremely excited about it, and you just don't want to give up an opportunity to play because you've been to this place where you don't know how long it's going to last. Like, Brendan Todd won on the PGA Tour, completely lost his game, was thinking about, you know, opening up a, a different business, and all of a sudden he's playing great. I could see him saying, all right, I cherish this so much that I can play nine weeks in a row. But yeah. This is Brooks Kepka we're talking about. There's, I think you said it right, Rick. I think you made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, some calculate, but I, the thing, the one that I won't understand is Wyndham. I, I think you get to a place where you can say, "All right, look, I played great at the PGA. That was my peak. I got to take Wyndham off. My body just needs rest." Hmm. And he didn't do it. So 3M and Wyndham, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's just, it's hard to understand. Yeah, I think he got. <laughs> I think he got into a position and then couldn't get out of it. Um, all right, we got to talk about the eight Ks, the seven Ks. We got to talk about value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Greg, how would you like to win $2,500 this week? No, $2,500 this week. I like, I like it. Yes, uh, please. Uh, all right. Well, with no need to even put your own money at stake, you can just go to cbssports.com slash golf props to play. There is a link in the description. So you have zero excuse. The full tournament game is live as we speak. It's up there. You can go answer your questions. And here is actually one of the tiebreaker questions from that tournament contest that I think is a really good discussion because here's what it is. Which golfer will score the lowest score in the first round? And Greg, what that really allows us to do is an opportunity to talk about first round leaders, maybe one of my favorite, but also least favorite bets to make because you can always get really good odds on some of these long guys. Some random guy wins a first round leader, but also here's the worst sweat in golf. I'll describe it right now. You've got a guy who's like 125 to one to be your first round leader. He goes out and shoots like a 63, seven under in the morning. And you have to watch all afternoon as everybody tries to chase him down. And somebody always does, Greg. Oh man. It's bro- you're right. Somebody always does. <laughs> the first guy to post never has the lead, it seems. It, it's fascinating. So I got a question for you. There's a guy that comes to my mind who you'll definitely get great odds on. Okay. Um, and I have a feeling you're going to like this, but there's a couple different avenues. It, this is Keegan Bradley. Okay. But he's random. He, he definitely has some great first-round scoring. Yes, and he's a Boston guy. Yep. And he, he's going to be a little bit hyped up to go back to TPC Boston and play. Even though his results there haven't been great, I feel like he could be a, a, a stud in the first round. Uh, the other guy that I kind of have in mind is Tony Finau. I feel like he may go out and, and play a great first round. Keegan Bradley is 125 to 1 if you would like to get him in a first round leader. Tony Finau, 50. My goodness. Now, uh, so what I would prefer to do is wait until we see the tee times because I'd love to get an early, yeah. an early tee time guy, somebody who goes out, plays well in the morning. But just kind of looking through the odds, and we're going to talk about this um, in a second. I, I think there is a guy who is egregiously priced this week, and it is translated to his dfs price and it translates to his first round leader price it's sung jm he's he's 66 to one to be your first round leader we're going to talk about him uh his price on DraftKings and on the fantasy sites is insane but he is if we have declared him back he should be like a top 12 player in this field not being priced in the way that he is so without knowing the tee times without knowing you know anything else he is the guy that I just think there is a theme of him being completely mispriced this week. Yeah, that is a really it, – it's a, the DraftKings price at 7700 It's egregious. Crazy. you got to take him. Yeah, we'll talk about him in the next section because we're, we're going to talk about the 8K range first. Uh, Daniel Berger straight vibing at the top of the 8K range. It goes all the way down to Justin Rose, Terrell Hatton. They are both an even 8,000. This is weird. There's always a range like this on DraftKings where it's a lot of like you can get whatever you want, but also there's a lot of question marks. And also like I, I, sometimes it's a mix of like young guys who haven't broken onto the scene yet and then older guys who have kind of faded. Like, and, and you're trying to figure out which ones you want. This is that weird range, the 8Ks. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there are many players that I just don't know what to do with. Yeah. One of them being Victor Hovland, one of them being Scotty Scheffler. Those are the young guys that kind of stand out to me as, well, where do we, where do we put them? I love their games, uh, especially in fantasy. They, they both have great – but what, what are they going to do this week? I, I'm not really sure. Um, the guy that just jumps out to me – and look, we've had so many conversations, and uh, I've been at the center of many of them. He's near the top of this list. Tony Finau. To yes. Me. I just, I, he, look, tied fourth in 2018 – and I think he's playing some of the best golf on the PGA Tour right now. He definitely and is. When, when I look at Tony Finau, I think he's due. And he continues to prove to me that 
well, the close call last week uh, doesn't wreck him emotionally. And he can come back from that. He doesn't suffer from uh, that, that close emotional loss hangover kind of a deal. He's just playing great. And he's that talented. And I feel like the lid's about to pop off for him. And he's about to get a win. Is it going to happen this week? I, I don't know. But the way that he's been playing in a fantasy lineup, I, I think you've got to play him. You don't need him to win at $8,800, which is a good thing. Objectively, if you just zoom out and say, look at the finishes, look at the stats, he's been one of the best players on tour for the last month. Uh, the narrative around the way he's done it, right, the couple of Sunday failures, uh, is really the only knock against Tony Fee now. I think that's fine. I also believe he is a player, I don't believe this, I know this, who outpaces his finishing position because he makes so many birdies. So from a strictly like fantasy scoring perspective, price tag, all that stuff, it, yes, it, it, an endorsement for Tony Fee now makes complete sense. You know, you think about like like going back on. I, I was listening to this show, uh, like a, a talk radio show. They were talking about the NBA, and somebody was saying they they thought the Clippers were going to win the championship. And this one guy chimes in and says, "Well, like the, the Clippers, what have they been through? Like, what what's the where's the lesson learned? They they're just going to go from a first round out all the time to a, a championship final, like, like a, a a championship all of a sudden, just like that. And, and so I, I look at Tony Fino and I say, well. There's a lot of lessons learned here, right? There's a lot of what have you been through uh, questions and answers. And I, I just, I see a story being written here. Uh, maybe Kyle Porter writes it where it, it's like the burden is lifted and it's going to happen sometime soon. And he's playing too well to do it. Unless, of course, the curse of the Puerto Rico Open is, is uh, more real than we think. Might be too strong. We could turn this into an NBA pod. Uh, the, the difference for the Clippers, I'll say, is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's where I yeah, think the lesson it's learned it's is. <laughs> uh, all right, how about Daniel Berger? Uh, I mentioned him earlier as one of the guys who gains in all four categories, which is very rare in this field. There's only three of them. How about this one? Since the tour's restart, Berger is averaging 2.27 strokes gained per round. The best number of any golfer on tour. Only Berger and Bryson DeChambeau have gained at least two strokes per round. That is elite company, especially for a guy who's only eighty nine hundred bucks. Um, I don't know what else to say. He's he's been awesome. Look, he's proven it week after week. He just continues to prove that he's legit. And this is not a guy who's like a, a just a great story for the year. This is a this is who Daniel Berger is. He he is just a an extremely well rounded. Um, extremely talented player who's unafraid and unaffected. And that win at the Charles Schwab Challenge, man, it, it has given him so much confidence. Uh, you, can, you can see it. It oozes out of him, and he expects to play well right now. So uh, I'm never going to hold you back from playing Daniel Berger because he's just he's so well-rounded. He's like a JT or a Xander. He's, he's right in that company. I, I want to talk about uh, Charlie's caddy, Tiger Woods. Uh, did you see this? Did you see Tiger was caddying for Charlie? Yes. So good, man. And Charlie goes out and what wins by like five shots in some like eleven year old. Yeah, it tournament. was a five shot win, and reminiscent of his father's U.S. Open win at uh, Bethpage Black. He's the only guy under par, which Just you know, I love this. Woods, another Woods dominating the competition, unbelievable. Um, let's talk about Tiger. I, I don't really know what to do. I rarely get overweight on Tiger because I know everyone likes we we get we get five Tiger events a year right like we get so few chances to bet on him we get so few chances to roster him he is always more owned than he should be I usually do not partake in that and and really the only issue I've had with his game it's very obvious it's his putter the putter has been bad like I I don't need to sugarcoat it it's been bad the rest of his game's been just fine I generally just stay away because I think that he's always more owned than he should be. I look at his golf swing at the PGA and I'm not, look, it was fine. Not overly impressed. And I don't think this is the same swing of Tiger Woods who won the 2019 masters. I don't think he's there. Um, now, we're, the good news on Tiger is we're going to start to see him a little more regularly, right? We saw him, he's, he's had one week off and we're going to see him play again. I think reps are, are really good for Tiger. Uh, and I think it could lead to a really nice performance, maybe this week, maybe next week. But here's the thing with Tiger, and I like your point about how he's, he's always over-owned. I don't need Tiger to be in my DraftKings lineup to get excited Correct. about Tiger playing really well. 
right? If Tiger wins, I don't have to make a, a, a dollar on it, right? Yeah. I don't have to feel like I, uh, I knew it. I don't have to be right about Tiger for, for me to enjoy a Tiger Woods victory. And I think everybody agrees with that. So um, when I look at Tiger, I, there's no need for me to play him. And especially when you got Tony Finau there, you got Paul Casey and Adam Scott who fascinate me this week. There, there's so much talent in here. I, to me, I'm fading Tiger. He just hasn't shown me enough. It would be unfair for me to p- say play Tiger and bench Rory, even though their prices are so different. Tiger, like what? You haven't shown me anything. Uh, you really haven't shown me anything. Uh, last thing on Tiger, we'll move on. But I, I, um, I, I completely agree with your your life hedge take, which is I'm gonna be if I lose all my money and Tiger wins, I'm es- ecstatic on Sunday evening. It's entertainment. You pay for entertainment. I don't care. Here's the here's the thing that I think is most interesting. We know Tiger does not want to play three weeks in a row, right? We can, we can agree on that, okay? So he is 49th in the FedEx Cup standings at the moment. If he could find a way to lock up his spot in, at Eastlake, and I don't know what it would take. I don't know if it would need to be a win or we'd have to see how it calculates out or how many points he can get. He would love to take next week off. Now, do you think there's any chance? Do you think there's any chance he misses the cut this week and says, eh, I'm done. I'm not going to play three weeks in a row. I'm not going to make a run at this. Um, I think if he gets in next week, he'll, he'll play. Even if he's 70th and it's unlikely that he, I, I think it, it I think you're going to see him play at Olympia fields. I do. Um, unless you're right. Unless he went, see, even, even if he does win and, and secures a spot for Eastlake, Eastlake is interesting because you, because of the staggered start. So how many shots oh, are you willing to give up by not playing? Right, it used to be yeah, thirty. You I get forgot. in and you have a chance. I but forgot. Now it's totally. I mean, you, you could start. You could start ten shots back, and yeah. uh, the competitor of the tiger is. I don't think he wants to do that. So That's, I think we're going to get two or three in a row. It's probably more likely that it's only two. Um, but how do you bet against Tiger Woods? Yeah, that's a good point. You actually need to continue to accumulate points throughout. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that on a later episode, but we're going to have to figure out a way to handicap the tour championship with staggered, staggered strokes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, the rest of this, rest of this, what are we in? 8K range. You mentioned Paul Casey. Okay. I, I think the bottom of the 8K is full of question marks. Tommy Fleetwood went out and shot like one of the worst rounds we saw on Sunday. He was absolutely brutal in some of the aspects of, of his game that he's usually awesome at. Victor Hovland started the, the restart on an absolute sprint, has not played as well since. We didn't see him last week. Paul Casey, uh, I, I, could probably, I could probably get interested in Paul Casey. Ball striking wise, he's been good. His putter's been better than usual. Not great, but that's not Paul Casey's game. I, I mean, the bottom, the bottom doesn't interest me all that much, but like Casey's probably the guy. Casey has a really, really good course history here. Uh, In 2016, he finished second, tied fourth in 2017, tied 21st in 2018, which isn't necessarily anything special. But, I mean, he he does have some good memories here. He's only missed one cut, um, then he did WD in 2015. But uh, I'm looking at a guy who's got to be as confident as he's ever been in his career. Uh, He's swinging great. He's got the putter rolling. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a at a Paul Casey. Like he's got to be feeling really good going in. So I, I love that aspect. Justin Rose, uh, eight thousand bucks flat off a missed cut. Looked pretty terrible. Could I interest you in him? No, no, you can't. <laughs> no. I mean, it, <laughs> and look, he he's got win equity. He could win any time, right? But but no, you gotta you gotta give me a little bit more for me to say yes. I'm going to take a chance on Justin Rose, who, who's on, he's trending on the way down. There's, there's always, it's like watching a stock price. There's ups and there, there's guys that are trending on the way up and guys that are trending on the way down. It happens in every price range, um, every single week. And I always look for guys that are trending up. I, I don't like picking guys who are, oh, this is going to be the week he turns it around. I, I very rarely like to take that risk. And I, I know it may be, I may miss out on some players every once in a while, but I'm always looking for guys that are on the uptick. Even if it's just one week of an uptick, it gives me a sign that, hey, this, is gonna, this, this could be another positive week. This is going in the right direction. And for Justin Rose, I, I don't feel like it's going in the right direction. I feel like he has great willpower, uh, and, and that's why he did what he did at the PGA Championship. It's like what he did at the U.S. Open. He is an extremely talented player who could win any week. But 
I have no confidence that it's going to happen this week. Yeah, if he wins, it won't be with me on board. Um, $7,000 range, I f- again, very large. And I feel as if I have a lot of spicy takes here. So I, w- I would like to start with you, Greg. Uh, wh- where are you most interested in the 7,000s? Well, you talk about an uptick. You talk about a time of year. This is where we can kind of get away from uh, statistics for a little bit, which I know you love to do, Rick. I do. Um, but B- Billy Horschel here is just jumping off the page to me. I, I look at what he did last week, and although he didn't get the win, I, I'm not sure that it's the heart-wrenching type win. And this is something Mark brought up last night uh, in our, our round four recap. And Mark was talking about how at the um, it was the Deutsche Bank, I believe, at the time in 2014, he is standing in the middle of the fairway on 18, <laughs> and he hits it fat into the water with a six iron or something approaching the green. And he loses. He loses the tournament because of it. And then he comes back the very next week in Denver at Cherry Hills and gets the job done. And so Billy Horschel's a guy who's inspired right now. And it's Billy Horschel season. And I was high on him last week, and he, he stepped up and performed. He did everything he needed to do to win. But yeah, of course, he let a couple shots get away late. Um, but I look at that guy as somebody who's hungry, who believes he can win. And when Billy Horschel believes in himself, you got to watch out. This is a weird situation where I objectively am like, yeah, it's like, it's time for Billy Horschel. It is like, it's, it's Billy Horschel season. He played great last week. I I love it. Blah, blah, blah. But then I'm like, is he just going to be like 25% owned and, and like ruin it for everybody? You know what I mean? Like it's something I hadn't really thought of. Do you think because of last week went so well, everybody's going to jump on, jump on the Billy Horschel bandwagon? I do. I don't know if that's right or not. I just think that he has everything going in his direction, right? He's got, he's got the narrative. He's got the recent form. He's got the, um, the tournament history or no, I'm sorry, the playoff history. Like, and, and it was so memorable the way he kind of did it. I, I don't know. It, it just feels like we're on a collision course for 25% owned Billy Horschel. I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's definitely a reason for it. Um, and I'm here as I'm here promoting him. I, I <laughs> hope that that's kind of up in the own percentage for him. Um, so I, I like that. But I, and I don't know who you have here for your for your plays. But there's another guy um, just below Billy, who I could I could fade Billy if you if you really believe that's going to happen and go with this kid. Um, and it's Matthew Wolf. Yeah. Is Matthew Wolf way underpriced this week or what? I mean, the kid is on fire. So I think that his skill set uh, is really good for TPC Boston. I also, and we've talked about this a little bit, um, he, he is very obviously maturing in his game. Like it's, it's happening in front of our eyes. Remember when he went, he went win and then he went a year without another top 10. That, that's, that's not happening again anymore, right? I mean, he's not going to go another year ever probably without, without two top 10s in a year. No, and you see him showing up in majors. You see him hitting big shots and big moments. Yeah. This kid is, uh, he, he is uber confident right now. Um, and I, I don't often use that word, so it, it tells you how confident he really is. I, I, I apologize about that. But, yeah, Matthew Wolf, I'm, I'm like, sign me up. I'll take two. I, I do really like Matthew Wolf, but then, I mean, I, I alluded to this earlier. I, I'm very confident Sung JM is the most mispriced guy here. I, and, and, and I don't know how we got here. I don't know if they finalized the pricing before the tournament started last week. I, I mean, if what we saw last week, which, which should be the version of Sung JM we should see moving forward. It's what we saw before the break. He just he couldn't do anything after the restart. If if what we saw last week, which is essentially how he looked at Arnold Palmer, how he looked at Honda, all that stuff, he he's he's two thousand dollars too cheap. If he is the Sung J M that we all thought he was for the last twenty four months, it's always interesting to me to look at where. And I haven't really done this before. This is kind of my first year really looking at this. But where is a player priced and where are they in the FedEx Cup? You're talking about a guy who's fifth in the FedEx Cup standings entering the first playoff event, and he's at $7,700. Yeah. So I guess the how, how many of these guys can you get in this mid-range? Can you just live in this uh, seven, 7,900, 7,700? Can, can you live in that range? So I, I also think that there are, so yeah, kind of. I also think that there are like hot guys here, right? Like 
right. I guess you could argue Siwoo's hot. You could argue Kevin Kisner's very hot. You, uh, Harold Varner is third. English. Harris English. Like these are your hot guys that are not necessarily the top tier players. Like because because we have every player what in the top you know 25, 25 guys. Um, so like they're not those guys. But uh, yeah, you could live here. Doc Redman. Doc Redman. Can I can I give you? This might take a while to explain this stat, but this is my favorite stat ever. Yeah, hit me. All right. So, strokes gained ball striking is the unofficial combination of strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. Two very important stats, if you ask me. Doc Redman gained 9.2 strokes on ball striking last week. It is the third time in the restart he has gained at least nine strokes in ball striking. To put that into perspective, there are only four other golfers who have gained nine in multiple events. They are Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, and none of them have done it three times like Doc has. That is a long way to say what he's doing both off the tee and on approach is like ceiling stuff, like tour ceiling stuff. It's really, really good. Do you think that, uh, look, tee to green play, iron play is always important. When you look at the, the models for this course, what do you think is kind of the most important stat? So uh, uh, I don't know if this is good or bad. It essentially aligned, when I ran the model, it essentially aligned with like the top player. So it's the things that popped out were driving distance, uh, birdie or better percentage, and strokes gained teeter green, which is almost just like who are the best players in the world. <laughs> it's right. like basically right. what it says. Yeah, I understand. that. That's kind of part of the reason why it gives me a little uh, trouble with this course because you're in a birdie fest. So I do believe that, putting is going to be really important um but i understand that kind of that that td green play i understand the distance distance advantage so yeah that's that's a tough one but in that case rick um yeah hard to stay away from doc redmond but you I mean even like abraham answer cameron champ these are this range is loaded I, and yeah i mean i i could see a lineup with three at least three i think my lineups are going to have at least three guys in this range in there the optimal lineup last week spent i have it right here forty six thousand eight hundred dollars thank you jim herman uh there was not a player billy horsher was the most expensive player in the optimal lineup he was ninety one hundred dollars so i mean wow. like there as we say all the time there is a case to leaving money on the table yeah i i love leaving it on the table for sure um but I don't know if I don't know if that strategy is leaving it on the table. See, this is another tough one because you're looking for guys that are that are really really uh, high end players because that's who wins here, right? The top of the line wins here. Yeah. So what do you go with? Kind of a stars and scrubs, or is this middle range where everybody is so hot and they are? If they're not stars now, they're rising stars. Um, I, so I, I'm kind of having a hard time with this line here as I look at the upper end of the. 7k range because I, I love everybody in that little area yeah let's try the 6k range let's see if we have some uh some scrubs that we're willing to trust to pair with our studs uh 6900 couple guys here cam smith brant snedeker Corey connors lucas glover sam burns they're all 6900 and then it goes all the way down to the bottom which uh, i mean sebastian munoz is the dead men who like i i thought was going to win me five hundred thousand dollars for a while last week and then he like was over par I forget what he shot on the weekend. It was something terrible. He, he, uh, Sebastian Munoz is, I, and I wrote this in our little rundown. He's 16th in the FedEx Cup standings and he's the minimum price. It's wild. Do you take a risk with that? I mean, he, he's pretty good. TD Green, he's, he's pretty good. He's, y yes. So I'm kind of a sucker for him. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface with that. He's been bad. Like he's yes. missed, he's missed, I think like at least four of his last five cuts. Um, he, he played really well on Thursday and Friday last week. So maybe I'm more optimistic. So I was like, like I saw flashes of it. Like he, he played well enough. Now you could make the case that because such, such a larger percentage of the field is going to make the cut that you can like, if these guys get like, if Sebastian Munoz makes the cut at $6,000, he has paid for himself. Like, like it, it, that, that's all you think he has to do. Top 65 paid for himself. He's the dead men. Like, I, I feel like it, right? Because that's half the field. I mean, I, I feel like if he makes the cut, he pays for himself. And if he finishes top 30, you are thrilled with it.
the dead men is really interesting range. And typically you don't even go down here. No. Right? You don't even go down to the depths, but Robbie Shelton has a top five finish recently. Um, I know it was definitely a pop-up. I think it was at 3M. Uh, Bo Hogue has played some nice tournaments lately. It, it's definitely an interesting range. Um, and, and I could see a reasonable approach to taking a guy in the dead men, um, probably one of those two, and, and just taking kind of a shot in the dark at it. Um, but there is another player I wanted to get your thoughts on, Rick. In the, he was 6,300, and I'm, I'm searching for him right now as we speak. And, oh, Cameron Davis. I brought him up. The, Cameron Davis is playing some really good golf. He's definitely on the rise. He's 6,300. He was tied 12th at 3M. Tied 32nd at Barracuda, and I mentioned him last week heading into Wyndham because of that. Again, this is that little uptick that I'm talking about, and he shot three straight 65s, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, all 65s. Do you like Cameron, Dave, Cameron Davis's chances this week? He is actually uh, one of the better players from tee to green under, I mean, even under 7K. He's in the top, I don't know five yeah. or 10 and he's all the way down at $6,300. This is a, a section, you know, under 7,000. That's like half the field. You know I mean? It's like yeah. a pretty, it's a pretty big section. So you could definitely see him making the cut and paying for himself. Correct. And, and, and just his recent finishes, right? A 12th at the three M you'd be thrilled with a 32nd at Barracuda. You'd probably be thrilled with that. And then 15th at win. Like, like, yeah, like any of those, anything in the middle there would be great. And you just for, forget about the tied 15th last week, right? Look at, and again, Barracuda is alternate scoring, so it's hard to judge. But if you look at his last traditional stroke play, uh, his last eight tournament scores, you're talking about 67, 66, 69, 68, 71, 65, 65, 65. Like you're, you're feeling good. Regardless of what position you finish in, as a player, you're in a place where, okay, I'm shooting good scores. I can compete. And so I think at, at his rate, he is the value play of the six Ks. You had a guy circled, and so did I, and it's Denny McCarthy, who yeah. is known for his putter. I, I mean, literally, he has been the best putter on tour this year. He was the best putter on tour last year, and it's not even all that close. He's, he, like, laps the field in strokes gain putting, and that is usually not a skill set that I care about at all. Like, he's great. It's fun, whatever. But I will tell you this. Uh, he gained a ton of a stro- ton of strokes on approach last week, nearly seven of them. But that now marks the third straight week he has gained strokes on approach, which is the first time he's ever done that in his career, Greg. First time ever. So if he has a fourth straight, I, I, like if if he can just be like slightly above average, if he's figured something out, if he's feeling good with that part of his game, the rest like the putting is literally a stroke per round he gains. It's unbelievable. So, so there's, there's trending optimism here. Yeah, I, I love him again this week. Again, another player at a low price point who's on an uptick for sure. He's made his last five cuts in a row and tied ninth last week with a 63 on Sunday. Like, he's feeling good. And I think to a guy like, um, a, a guy like Steve Stricker, who has had uh, a lot of success at TPC Boston, and he's not necessarily a long hitter, um, great with wedges and, and very, very good with the putter, obviously. Putting is important everywhere you go. And if you can putt the way Denny McCarthy continues to putt, you're going to have a chance. He's just got to hit it in play. He's got to hit it on the greens. Iron play is going to be very important for him. So, look, I, I think this is a player uh, who's really maturing. And I look at him, last year he missed 12 cuts, right? He played 28 events, he missed 12 cuts. In 2018, he missed nine cuts. This year, he's missed four cuts. Uh, and and he's made over a million dollars for the first time this year. He is um, at his by far his best finishing position so far on the PGA Tour. He's trending in the right direction. He's gaining confidence, and I, I think he's a great play. Is there anybody else in this six thousand? I mean, like Taylor Gooch has has popped up a couple of times, but is there anybody else you'd consider down here? You know, I, Tom Hoagie and, and Taylor Gooch both gave me some questions. Uh, Henrik Norlander, who I thought was going to have a great week last week, I wonder about. Um, but then again, I, I'm kind of just lukewarm on him. Um, Keegan Bradley's interesting because he's a hometown kid, even though he hasn't had the greatest results here. So some of these guys have my uh, general interest. 
but I'm not overly confident. Another guy you could take a chance on, you could always take a chance on a Kevin Na. Uh, I, I yeah. think he can handle this golf course. Um, it, Sam Burns has my interest for sure. He's a long hitter and he's playing pretty well. So I, I do like him, but generally speaking, I think the, uh, I think Cameron Davis, Denny McCarthy are really the two guys that I'm looking at in the six K range. I love it. I think that'll do it. Don't forget CBS has you covered this weekend as the PGA tour makes its first stop of the FedEx cup playoffs. Watch the Northern trust on CBS. Mark Immelman, our very own Mark Immelman will be there following all the action. And we are Jacob. Talk about playoffs. Playoffs. There it is. Thank you. Uh, You can stream it for free on cbssports.com or the CBS Sports mobile app. You can also watch on CBS All Access through your OTT device with authentication. Thank you very much to you, Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 